Uh, oh, are we? We're on. Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? Uh... Hey guys, welcome to Undressed. I am Megan Collins of Style Girlfriend, and I am, as always, super duper psyched to have you listening today. Uh, Undressed is our forum to talk to cool, fun folks who are living their life with style. As I think we all know by now, style is not just about the clothes you wear, um, which is good because today I'm in all black and quite boring. Um, but I feel good and I think I look good. But the point is that it's all about living with intention. It's about living passionately. Uh, That's what makes someone stylish. That's what makes someone cool. And so we just really wanted to talk to people out there who we think are doing a great job of that. And you know what? We did a good job with today's lineup because we have Nick Gray. Nick started Museum Hack, which if you haven't heard of it, is the coolest and and best thing that's come around in a while. They bill it as museum tours for people who don't like museums, which is actually a funny way of putting it because I love tours. Um, (laughs) I love museums, but I I get what they're saying. I think that it can get a little bit uh, overwhelming to say the least. You know, there's almost an endless amount of exhibits and, you know, within those exhibits, so many pieces to see and within those pieces, so much to understand and context to uh, know about and, you know, inspiration of the artist. And and it just, it gets to be something where you almost feel like you want to just walk right by everything, or you want to only look at one thing and get a really great story about just that one thing. And then, you know, walk away feeling like you learned something. So museum hack is all about sort of distilling the museum experience. It really, um, cuts to the quick of, Hey, I'm a tour guide. I'm going to show you my favorite you know, 10, 15 things. I'm going to tell you interesting stories about them. We're only going to be a small group of, you know, five, six, seven, eight people. And you're going to walk away having had fun, having learned something and not having, you know, museum fatigue by the time you leave. So I really love it. I took my parents, uh, when they came to visit recently and they loved it. So it's got the Collins family seal of approval, uh, which I'm sure Nick appreciates. But I think what I loved about our conversation most is that he's very much of the Seth, Seth Godin, just, um, you know, just ship it mentality. Museum hack didn't wait till everything was perfect. He just started doing it. He figured it out as he went along. He saw what worked, what didn't tweaked, you know, rinse, repeat as it were. So, I'm super excited to talk to him about, you know, kind of how he got started, what's next for the company. They're doing such amazing things beyond just museums. They're doing, you know, giving corporate training. It's, it's crazy. This guy will inspire you. He definitely inspired me. So here's me and Nick Gray talking about life. Enjoy. So, guys, I'm here with Nick Gray. Uh, Nick, you just Snapchatted this experience before it even started, so... True story, Snapchat is going live. <laughs> so now we have to run this, because... All right, good. <laughs> that was a nice way to really uh, confirm that that's happening. Um, so I'm so excited that you're here. I uh, have taken a museum hack tour. It was amazing. I saw Anna Wintour. Nice. Because it was the day before the Met Ball. I don't think that that happens on every tour. But Not every tour. We don't promise. I got to say, it made it pretty legendary. Uh, tell me how you got started. I'm so interested in the backstory of Museum Hack. Okay. Museum Hack does the best museum tours in the whole world. <laughs> Uh, not that you're biased. Not that I'm biased, but I have to say, if there's someone listening here who's like, I hate museums, that is definitely me. 
Um, I'm not an art person. I don't come from an art background. But we do tours that are just fun, like nothing you've ever thought about that a museum tour could be like. So explain more what you mean by that, because I'm someone who I certainly appreciate a beautiful museum, but I also can get really overwhelmed if they're Mm. really big and, you know, there's this exhibit, but there's a big line. Do I bother? Do I read all the little descriptions? Talk to me a little bit about how museum hack is different than a typical museum tour. Okay. If you go into a museum and you are overwhelmed or you are tired or there's just too much, you have a real problem that has been (laughs) clinically diagnosed that is common. It's called gallery fatigue. It is a true story, a true thing that happens uh, when you see things. Have you ever been to a museum and after 10 or 20 or 30 minutes, instead of thinking about the art and how it affects you, you think about maybe a cup of coffee and how that would affect you. Right, like where's the cafe in this place? Yeah, where's the cafe? Which, by the way, is a place I love to go in museums. I always go to the cafe. Really? Yeah. If I'm going to a museum for like an hour and a half, I probably spend half an hour at the cafe. (laughs) I always feel like it's an afterthought, except for at certain places, but that's good to know. Yeah, it's good because I'm all about like the strategic cycling of my energy levels at a museum. Mm. Super weird, nerdy thing. (laughs) So then, how did you get started? What was the the light bulb moment of hey, this is a problem, there's a pain point where, you know, people want to go to museums, but maybe they're not effectively touring them. Mm. So what was what was that gap? What happened yeah, there? Yeah, how did some weird guy make a me- <laughs> what is now the best museum tour company in the world? Uh, I like that if you just keep saying it, that's going to make it true. I feel like you're, yeah. like you're trying to improve your <laughs> SEO on a podcast right now. We are. <laughs> Um, Just put that key, those keyword tags as much as possible. Right, right, right. Best mm-hmm. museum tour in the world. So, uh, what do we do? By the way, if you're wondering, like, what is this like? It's like the Cirque du Soleil of museum tours. We hire Broadway actors and science teachers and musicians to be your tour guide, and that's what it's like. Uh, how did it get started? What was the light bulb moment? I think it was this crazy date that I had about five years ago. Okay. Uh, here in New York. Um, our third date with this woman, we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Was that her suggestion or yours? It was her suggestion to go there. I was like, like I was game for it. I wasn't against it, but I was like, I don't, all right, cool. And we went and it was, uh, it just changed the way that I looked at museums. Because she was really up on, on her knowledge game and she was able to explain things to you differently or what was it that was different about that trip? You know what? I think it was... Go in there at night, because the Mets open late on Friday and Saturday nights. It's open till 9 p.m., which is a special time. I love going to museums at night. Yeah. Uh, And it was her guiding me around the space and talking to me colloquially, not using big words. Right. Just kind of showing me things that she liked and that she was passionate about. And I started to look around at the space. Really, I fell in love with the space. I was like, whoa. I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, uh, in a old loft building, and now I'm in the like most majestic museum in the whole world. And I was just like, I think I moved to New York for places like this. Ah. Um, so I just started going back to the space. Really, I was really attracted by the space, and I kept going. Every weekend, I would go and give myself tours or join tours, and then I started to bring my friends there to show them my favorite stuff. And what were you doing at the time? What was your 
job? My job at the time, <laughs> I sold electronic equipment that was used crazy in small planes like military aircraft and private jets. Oh, that is very specific. It was very specific. I loved my job. I was very good at it. And I did that during the week. Mm-hmm. And But during the weekend, this was like my hobby. Were you employed by a large company doing that? It was a small company, 60 employees. Oh, okay. Yeah. A little bit biased is my family business. When I joined, ah. it was like based out of the basement of our house. My dad started it. He's like this mad scientist type guy. Um, and I joined it after college. And and did you think that that was what you wanted to do? Were you happy with that? Or was that sort of a stopgap? Yeah. yeah. It started out as a stopgap. I was just like, oh, I'll come home from college, help my dad out. It was a very small company. Him and my mom worked on it full time. So I started to help out. And there was this one day at the office, I thought I was just going to like make their website, but they needed a new laser printer, and I had to hook it up to the network. And I hooked up the laser printer, and my parents looked at me like I walked on water. <laughs> like, like they were like, oh my God, you are amazing. We've been trying to do that for like six months. And I was just like, I feel like a badass. Um, so... So I had, like, the laser printer one day, and the next day I helped them set up, like, a Microsoft Word template. And they were like, that saved us ten hours of time! <laughs> You're the best son ever! I'm the only son, but still. Sure, it still counts. Um, so I just, I kept hanging around the office, and that turned into a couple of years. Literally just from positive affirmation. You positive affirmation of wanting to just, yeah, in a, a dorky sense, to want to help my folks out. They helped me out a lot. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I I think that that makes a lot of sense. Did you, had Museum Hack not kind of popped into your head, do you think that you would have stayed there? Yeah. Would you still be there today? I think so. Uh, I'm, yeah, hard to say. I did a lot with the company. We sold the business a couple months ago. I enjoyed my work there, but I didn't, mm, it's hard to say. With a big situation like that, right, have you ever, like, broken up with somebody that you've dated for like six or seven years and it's a lot more complicated than like just one specific question so with this situation I was like so invested in it that there were really a lot of things that played into it Mm -hmm. I was working with an executive coach at the time and he asked me a question executive coach is like a frou-frou it's like a life coach where like they help you about your job, and they do th- 360 performance reviews. It's actually a really, really helpful thing. And especially at smaller companies, it can be helpful. Or if you're an entrepreneur, yeah. I've, I've used a career coach, life coach, you know, business coach, whatever you want to call it. I've definitely uh, found huge gains from doing that because I think when you're, yes, either managed by your parents mm-hmm. or not managed at all, it can be very hard to get uh, useful feedback and really grow. So, yeah, I'm 100% co-signing on, on the biz coach. That's good, right? Mm-hmm. He had asked me, his name was Dale, and he asked me, he said, what would you do if you didn't have this company, if you didn't work with airplanes, and money was no object? And at the time, I was leading these free tours for my friends at night, and I was like, you know, if money didn't really matter, I'd probably lead these museum tours. I love doing it. Did you kind of toss that off as an aside? Yeah, yeah. Really, it wasn't like, well, in my deepest desires, what I really want is to act. Like, no, like, it it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. It was just like, well, that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. It was very much just like, oh, yeah. 
I think that would be cool. Um, but I never, the reason that I said, oh yeah, I thought it would be cool is because I never thought that it could be a business. Yeah. Right? Like, I ne- like, it would be so crazy for someone two or three years ago to say, would you imagine that today you'd have this company? I'd be like, no way. That would be crazy. Um, I talked to so many people that say that, and that's absolutely my experience too. I never expected to be running my own business. And I think that it's really interesting how someone can sort of discover the entrepreneur within themselves. Yeah. Even if they're fighting it along the way, even if it's, oh, but I don't want to leave the security of a corporate job or I don't want, you know, I don't know how I would make a go of this. I think that it's always worth exploring. Totally. And it's great that you had this business coach that was able to say, well, I mean, what did he say? Just kind of, why not? Um, I think that he planted the seed in my mind and let me come to it on my own to make the choice. It, he didn't, certainly wasn't there to encourage me to leave or anything like that. It was just, you know, planting a seed and then it really went from there. Mm-hmm. And so what was the process from I'm enjoying taking my friends on these tours to, hey, let's make some money? Uh, yeah, that was actually really complicated. Uh, complicated in that a passion project for me, I didn't want to turn into a money project. Have you ever had that? Um, I have to admit, no. And I feel like I sometimes get flack for that. I think when, uh, you know, I started out as, you know, this quote unquote blogger at a time when a lot of bloggers were gaining prominence and it felt like so much of the advice was, you know, don't get into this if you just want to make money. And I guess my whole issue with that was, I'm working really hard at this. Why shouldn't I, you know, make gains from that? Yeah, good. Uh, so, so no. Cool. <laughs> I think it's okay to be both passionate and business-minded. I think you're right. And actually, a lot of people probably get into things with just their heart and they have no clue about the business sense. Um, I think I was kind of lucky that I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. So once I had the passion, I was able to flip it on the entrepreneurial spirit. But for so long, because I had a job, all I wanted to do was do these tours for free. I did not want to charge for them. That was like my worst nightmare. Um, and then eventually I came to it because I met somebody and I really wanted to hire somebody, Uh. my first employee, because I said, look, this person can run the tours. And then if something happens to me, if I get bored with this, then the tours are still going to happen, which was important to me. And did you think that you might get bored of it? Uh, I know myself, right? That I go from thing to thing. Is that still something that you think about or is museum hack in your foreseeable future for? No. Yeah. I love museum hack. Um, you're like, I'm just going to quit it all tomorrow. Yeah. No, there's like so many different projects and Mm -hmm. teams within our company that it's pretty neat to like, there's stuff I get to jump around on every day. Right. It's not same. I mean, because you're not giving Mm -hmm. tours any longer, that's not what the daily of the role is. I hear that. So then when, when did you start to charge and then when did you go full time? Mm, I started to charge after I quit my job. So I kind of saved up a bunch of money at work, gave myself a little bit of breathing room, uh, started to play with the tours more. I think we launched officially something around two years ago and we probably started to charge a few months before that, experimenting with price points and things. And what was the trial and error for that? Trial and error was we would do tours every single night. We would charge for them. We would make people fill out surveys at the end of the night. I would read them religiously at the end of the night at a Vietnamese noodle place. Amazing. Completely drained spiritually and emotionally, like, reading these forms. 
And that'd be Friday night, Saturday night, we'd reinvent the whole experience based on those feedback forms and try new things. It was cool. And that was you and your employee? Yeah, it was me, my first employee. We hired some other people that worked as contractors. They were great, really helpful. And when did you feel like you found the sweet spot of both pricing and like how the actual tour works? I think we're still looking for the perfect sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. Like every time, I'm sure there were things on your tour that you loved and then things that could be tweaked. And we were very excited about museums being that physical space, like like the physical Wikipedia. Like I think that, that these days people are saturated with so much digital and web-based and phones. I like museums as a place to go to be inspired and just turn on that curiosity correct me if I'm wrong it started as Hack the Met so it was only the Met so how did Museum Hack how did you grow into Museum Hack I was really challenged by some colleagues who worked in the museum field uh, that some of the early practices of Hack the Met um, one could be frowned upon which was like a BYOB policy Uh, and two I went with my parents, so I did not get to partake in that policy if it's still in effect. <laughs> you didn't? Okay. All right, <laughs> no, cool. it was a Sunday morning, so... A Sunday morning, fair enough. We probably should have brought mimosas, but... Mimosas happen. would be awesome. Highly recommended. If you're listening <laughs> to this and you're thinking that you want to go to a museum and you haven't been in a while, there is zero chance that you would regret taking a couple shots before you go in, <laughs> uh, but just be sure to pair that with caffeine, ah, right? Because you want to still... Good life advice. Yeah, good life advice. And remember, don't touch the art. Do not touch (laughs) under no circumstances. No matter how good of an idea it seems at the time. Yeah, do not touch the air. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, we just wanted to do more museums. We wanted to be a wider, more broad scope than just the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is still my favorite museum. It's where we do like 90% of our business. When you were thinking about expanding your scope, did it go from let's do other museums in New York to let's do museums around the world? Like, When did your vision for the company Mm. go global? Good question. I can't say that there was like a single defining moment and I'm still trying to be very humble and grow slowly, right? There's been a lot of like VC backed firms in the past week that have like kind of imploded. Uh, And so we're trying to be very careful in our growth. And right now, you know, we do New York, we're experimenting in DC, San Francisco. Um, how cool would it be to be global, though? Like, whatever city you go to, you know that you could easily hire the best museum tour guide and have a private tour that, that was nice. That'd be cool. So is that on the docket? What it's, is the Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard back, and it's expensive uh, to grow and keep our quality, I'm sure you know. So Yeah, so that's we'll on see. the retreat agenda? No, it's, it's still, yeah, it's just slow, right? So, like... It's slow for us because we have a very high standard of quality, and we can't just say, we're hiring tour guides in Tokyo, and then not have to go visit them and train them to our level of standard, uh, because there's very specific things that we do, which I'm sure you noticed when you go on a tour, there's very specific things that happen, and you know whenever you do a museum hack tour, we have like two dozen guides in New York, there's certain things that will always happen on those. Yeah, I... I know on mine, someone else that was in the group kind of said something to the effect of, oh, yeah, you know, I saw that last time. So I definitely know that there's uh, not continuity, but there is, I guess, continuity, you know, across tours. I actually think that's really nice. That's something Mm. that I like Mm. is when 
you know, if I were to recommend it to someone else, I would feel safe knowing that they were going to have as good, if not better, of an experience than me because, you know, they could plan on having a similar type of tour. Right. Even if it wasn't, you know, down to the exact pieces of art. But I you think, would know what they're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Because I think sometimes, especially for startups that maybe feel a little bit wild isn't the right word, but mm-hmm. you know, a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, it can feel like, well, maybe I just had a good guide. Mm-hmm. So I like that you said that about, you know, growing really slowly and maintaining quality. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting. Uh, it seems like a part of your business is also just you consulting. I, mm. I feel like you travel all the time. <laughs> You're going around to museums is that I mean are you giving these talks? I visit a lot of museums and make I'm lucky to be invited to speak at some places sometimes which is pretty neat are you giving away the secret sauce though I mean are you oh I would be happy if we talk to museums so much that they put us out of business um some of my colleagues we have a group in our company that's called audience development and they work with museums and corporations to help them how do you market to so-called millennials and young professionals. And we talk to a lot of museums, and that's work that I really like to do. Is that something that eventually it could be partnerships? I mean, could... Mm. We're experimenting with it. Okay. So it would be sanctioned, and it would be something that they could actually get through that museum's website? or Some pretty interesting museums are talking to us about that now, and it's surprising me that that the ones that are reaching out, which, are, which, which I would have thought are very staid and authoritarian, are very cool about it. So, yeah. That's nice to hear. So, how yeah. many people are on your team now? So, on payroll, we probably have about 20 people. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. We have a lot of part-time employees. So, of mm-hmm. that, probably half of them are part-time. And then we use a lot of independent contractors as well. So, in addition to the 20 people... We probably have another at least a dozen people who work with us on a regular basis as contractors. Wow. And are you checking off on all of these people still? I mean, are you meeting every single one before they come they're, on? They're all, I'm not joking, they're like twice as smart as I am. And we have a very stringent hiring process. So we let people, we can really only hire people who don't need a lot of management. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not a great manager. I'm still figuring it out. And the level of support that we give people, Lord knows, is like not as good as it should be. So we hire a certain type of individual that is self-motivated. Uh, one example is that we say that our guides are the CEO of their tour. Oh, I like that. And what that means is if you were to show up with your parents, but somebody was late, right? Well, the guide's going to know or figure out how to handle that, and they're not going to need to call into a manager. Mm-hmm. If you were to say, um, hey, I would really love if we could all go have espressos, right? Can we go do espressos in the middle of the tour? The guide's going to be able to figure that out and manage it, and that helps us to sort of limit that. I, um, I want to move on to grade yourself. So I think it's really important to sort of take a step back and look at where you are it's good for living intentionally. It's good for living with more style. So I want to talk to you about where you see yourself right now in these different areas. So we'll start with, because we've been talking about it, we'll start with career. Grade yourself on your career right now. Okay. I love questions like this. I love the living intentionally idea. Career grade, I would say B minus, trending towards an A minus. Uh, not necessarily a good manager, lack skills of empathy and things like that. So it's something that I'm working to improve. They say that a great CEO knows what to do and how to get the company to do it. So it's important to have those two things, right? I might know what to do, 
but I'm not exactly sure how to get people to do it. Um, because it, there is such a big difference between telling someone to do something and inspiring them to do it. Right. And getting them to drink the Kool-Aid with you and just want it for themselves. So I totally hear that. 100%. So, okay. All right. I think that's... I mean, I would say you're doing quite well, but... Okay. All right. I like that you're you're staying modest with that. Uh, let's talk style. Okay. Style. I think I'm about a B-ish. Uh, I... I certainly have my lazy days, just like anybody does. Um, I've had a lot of help from some people to pick certain things out in my closet, but I think uh, I think I still have room to improve. Today you're wearing a really great white uh, seersucker shirt, some yeah. really beautiful light blue linen pants, a nice Thanks. pair of penny loafers. You've got these very cool green glasses on. Where are those from? <laughs> uh, I got these from this awesome place online called Zenny Optical. We are a uh, self-funded startup, and you can buy glasses on Zenny for like six ninety-five. Wait, we? Is this your company? No, no, no. It's not. Uh, we Museum Hack is a self-funded startup, and oh, so we I don't see. have like a lot of money to buy like Warby Parker stuff. <laughs> so these glasses, uh, I think I paid seven dollars for. Warby Parker is supposed to be the cheaper alternative to Warby Parker is cheap until you go on Zenny Optical. This is not a paid advertisement for Zenny Optical. My grandmother told me about it. But hey, we'll throw we'll throw a link in the show notes. Spell yeah. it. It's like it's with an X. Z-E-N-N-I, I think. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's a crazy site, and when you go there, you're like, these deals are too good to be true. They're not. <laughs> for the price of Warby Parker, you can get like seven of their glasses. So do you have multiple? Do you have I do. a different like pair for every day of the week? Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I intentionally, this is really terrible, I shouldn't even admit this, when I was in like third grade, I intentionally failed an eye exam so I could get glasses. What? Because I just thought they were like a really fun accessory, like a headband for your face. That's amazing. So I got these really awesome thick blue with like sort of um, black flecks in them, and then I got bored of them, and I decided that my eyesight improved about three months later and just stopped wearing them. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, Mom and Dad. My my eyes just feel fine now. (laughs) Maybe the glasses fixed them. I'm sure they saw right through me, but I thought I was pretty slick. (laughs) And I'm sure that was very expensive. So sorry, Mom and Dad. (laughs) What about grooming? Talk to me about your grading on your grooming. Mm, I recently upgraded. I have a beard and I... Yeah, that's a thing of beauty. That is a uh, I have, wow. thick Thank you very beard. much. I went to a barber to have my beard trimmed. And I think that if you are a man that is growing a beard and you've not been a barber to grow, to, to groom your beard, make the investment. It You may never look back, so be careful. I 100% co-sign on that. I think that uh, your haircut your you know what you're doing with your facial hair I think that can make such a big difference mm. I mean talking about accessories that's that's yeah. a natural accessory that you can choose to implement or not and yeah. so when you actually take the time to and you know spend a little bit more money to mm-hmm. really upgrade that it uh, I uh, was actually speaking with Jeff Laub from Blind Barber which is an amazing shop here in town and in LA and he said that their goal is to make guys feel more like themselves so when they come in, that's their goal. It's not to like make them look trendy or mm. cool or, you know, the handsomest guy on the block. Their goal is to make that guy walk out feeling more like himself than when he walked in. And I think a great haircut can really do that. That's awesome. So I yes, never go back. Never go back. I would grade myself on grooming, uh, maybe a B plus or so. Okay. Yeah. And then last one, relationships. How do you? What's your grade for? 
Relationships is something that I struggle with. I must say a C plus on that mm-hmm. one. Um, I do tend to be very in the business, very much more focused on operations and execution uh, than I do with you know listening and things like that. I've been told that I have. <laughs> Again, I shouldn't even say this out loud. <gasps> uh. I've been told by my tarot card reader that I have a masculine energy nice. and it manifests itself by like me not always being uh, empathetic with employees and Brittany can speak to that probably. <laughs> but it's definitely something where I think that when you're a manager, when you're the boss, you have this sense of like, well, I just need this to get done, so just do it. And right. I, I love that line from Mad Men where... You know, Peggy says, you know, you never say thank you. And Don yells at her, that's what the money is for. And I, that's something where I very much, I'm with Don on that. Yeah. And so I, I agree. I think relationships, uh, especially at work, can be hard when you sort of have your eye on the prize and you want to be able to assume that everybody else is on board with you. But mm-hmm. to your earlier point, you really have to actually say no. Like, hey, everybody, let's get on board together. Let's Let's get in this, you know and take a ride and like be hundred percent dedicated all as a group. And it can't just be you dragging people along by their heels. So I, I think that I probably would grade myself around, uh, what you did. So I definitely, I think that there's always room for improvement. Always there. room for improvement. Yeah. And whether that's personal or professional, I think it kind of ends up being the same thing. And I think if you are someone who's really career oriented, then that's maybe where the focus ends up being because you take it for granted that family and friends will love you anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely there's a lot of friends and my family too that I'm sure I wish more spent, that I spent more time on. I like the name Style Girlfriend, by the way. I I love the name. I feel very lucky that I stumbled upon it. That's a great name. It's really nice in that it can encompass so much more than just fashion and things. And I'm dealing with that now a little as we grow our company, Museum Hack How. How much does that... Because we're starting to do a lot of, like, corporate training and things, mm-hmm. which, yeah, something. Would about. you rebrand, or would you just start an offshoot? Would you, like... I don't know. I just like the name Museum Hack, and it adds a little legitimacy to that museum foundation. Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to hear more about that corporate training. That sounds interesting. Hmm. I'm excited. I, um... I, I think that you passed. I think that I'd give you... I mean, so... You didn't get any Fs. Okay, good. I think you you can move on to <laughs> the next grade. Oh, yes. Um, and now we're going to move on to quick hits. Quick hits. So we use the hashtag on Style Girlfriend. We use SG approved mm-hmm. for things that we like. And from these quick hits, I want you to tell me if things are Nick Gray approved. So NG approved or not this dude. Okay. I'm ready for this. So, I, I mean, I'm going to throw them at you. I hope you're ready. Ready. Starting with jogger pants. Ooh. What are jogger pants? It's where like where the crotch <laughs> where goes cuffs, low. No, where it cuffs at the bottom. Oh, where it cuffs at the bottom. I got a pair of linen ones recently. Yes, NG approves. Uh, splitting the check on a first date. Splitting the check, uh, not this date. Man tank tops. Man tank tops. What does that mean? <laughs> tank tops, like no sleeves. No sleeves. Would you um, wear that? Body kind of positivity, right? If you go to the gym <laughs> and you want to share that, then then I think that's great. If you got tickets to the gun show, yeah, NG approved. What about for some guy who's maybe well? That's scrawny. why it's like yeah, it's like it's like body positivity. If you feel great about showing that off, then I want that to be open and available to everybody. <laughs> I like that. That was very positive. It was very encouraging. Um, cool. uh, All inclusive resorts. All inclusive resorts. 
Nick Gray approves. Lowering the decision fatigue on vacations is always the best choice. I am such a sucker for anything that has to do with the paradox of choice and being mm-hmm. able to alleviate that. Yeah. So I totally feel you on, especially vacation, you yeah. want as few decisions left as possible once your feet hit the ground there. Yeah. So I, I feel you on Which that. Which is why for millennials, for people like us, uh, cruises are totally underrated. I heard cruises are, like, coming back, yeah. which I just put in quotes because I hate myself for even saying that. Yeah. But it's going to be a thing again, right? Cruises are fantastic. they cool. I don't know if they're making them cool exactly because, you know, you'll definitely be the youngest people on the cruise. <laughs> um, but, but I like them because there's just no, yeah, there's, like, tons of restaurants. I like them. Um, next up, Gluten. Uh, gluten. I'm on a 30-day cleanse, so I'm not doing gluten. Um, feel good about that. Office romances. Office romances. As the CEO of a company, I could only see that negatively affecting productivity. <laughs> so I'm just going to say no comment. <laughs> no comment? Yeah, no comment. I don't care what people do. <laughs> so it's more of a just as long as I don't know about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man buns. What's your take? Man buns? Sure, yeah. CrossFit. Yeah. Do you do it? Uh, I've tried it a couple times. I think it's cool. All right. Uh, brunch. I hate brunch. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah. There's zero chance I'm going to brunch. It always elicits an opinion one way or the other yeah. quite strongly. Yeah. No, it's no. never like, meh. If you find an entrepreneur who likes brunch, that is not an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's, that's quite the statement. It's um, a quite statement, but like we got shit to do, right? <laughs> like, like why are you taking, yeah, no. Uh, Vin Dieseling, which is shaving your head once you start to go bald. I think that's I think that's an appropriate strategy for balding men to take life back in their own hands. I like that. It's about control. Yeah. Uh, smart cars. The the smaller type cars. Yeah. Yes. Sports cars. Yes. Affirmative. And finally, reality TV. Negative. On that There's zero chance you're spending your time wisely if you're watching reality TV. Is In fact, anything? if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're watching reality TV and you have certain parts of your life that you're not happy with, uh, you should, one, question your own time management skills, mm. uh, and two, really think, are you living a vibrant life that's as full and rich, as productive as you want? And if the answer is no, you can start by freeing up your time by getting rid of your television. Nick Gray, come in and hot, you guys. He's not messing around today. He has words for you. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I would just like to say, if you're listening to this podcast and watching reality TV, I'm actually pretty impressed by your ability to effectively do two things at once. Kudos to you. I can Kudos to you. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they're just, you know. Right. And there's really people <laughs> that will say, well, that is my guilty pleasure mm-hmm. for how I want to relax or how I want to unwind at the end of the day. And is that Nick Gray approved? Uh, absolutely the unwinding? not. Unwinding, yes, that's approved. There's much healthier ways than to basically fill your head with cultural poison. What are your your uh, preferred unwinding methods? Um, I bought a trampoline for my apartment. Oh. I really like to jump on my trampoline. That is not where I saw that going. Yeah. yeah. Okay, left turn. <laughs> okay, so no reality TV. Mm-mm. Yes to most 
clothing items, mm-hmm. yes to gluten. Mm-hmm. No to no gluten, gluten right now, at least. Actually, but if you're listening to this and you dr- and you eat bread, I don't judge against you. I think you're a bad person. But only if you eat bread while watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. That's correct. You, that's a one-way ticket to hell. <laughs> oh, this has been too much fun. I don't want it to end, but I have to ask you. We always close out the show by asking guests about their first million bucks moment. So... Uh, style girlfriend followers know all about this, but it's basically the first time that you looked in the mirror, thought to yourself, I am crushing it. So maybe you were super young. Maybe it happened yesterday. Hopefully it happened farther (laughs) back than yesterday, but tell us about your first million bucks moment. I gave a TEDx talk about a few months ago. So it was recently. And this was a moment where I wore a jacket that was this bright blue velvet jacket. It feels amazing to the touch. It feels truly like you're wearing some sort of like magician's bag. (laughs) Um, Which is what we're all looking for in our wardrobe. Yeah, which is (laughs) definitely... We just wanted to grab it in a magician's act. It felt like I was wearing like a nicely colored, perfectly tailored magician's bag uh and afterwards it was a discernible look and a color and I gave my talk and I got a lot of compliments and I saw pictures of it and I just was like wow that person is somebody different than I'm like it just felt like a million bucks moment I mean I'm sure just doing the TEDx talk probably had something to do with it as well right like oh my gosh look at me doing this awesome thing big time that's huge big time and was it on Museum Hack specifically, or it was about yeah, yeah, sort of how I started Museum Hack and just how I feel that museums are awesome and why they inspire me. I love it. Well, I think that's a great note to go out on. Guys, go out and get yourself a blue velvet magician's bag jacket, and you will be living your best life. So, Nick Gray, thank you so much for being here, and guys, we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much to Nick Gray, and thanks again to you guys for listening. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to talk to you again. Till next time, I'm Megan Collins. This is Undressed. Thanks for listening.